This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another great guest here on the show. We have Satna Perio. Now, Satna is a multi-award-winning brand consultant. She's a designer. She is a author and also a speaker as well. She has a number one best-selling book uh, called Vi uh, "Get Vi Let's Get Visible, which came out in 2020, as you can see here on the screen. I was going to say her big superpower, actually, is all about how you she can rebrand you in just one day. Right, that's a really great ability to do. She's got a, a, an amazing methodology which she which she uh, goes through with her clients, but also she's a um, a business partner to various brands as well, such as things like Rethink Press, Panoma Press, which is who I publish with. She's also a guest lecturer as well at uh, Holt International Business School and a business mentor at the University of West London. So some of the things that we're going to be covering today, ladies and gents, we're going to go back to basics because we're going to be talking everything branding today. But one of the things that we're going to be talking about to first start off with is to define what the difference between branding and marketing is, because I feel like there still is this kind of like confusion as to know what the two differentiation, differentiating things are between the two. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how do you emulate or influence um, people's buying decision make uh, when it, when relation to your brand. So how can we use, I suppose you could call it the art of persuasion, I suppose, in a way, but we're going to be talking a little bit about that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about what are the things that we need to look for when, when we know that our brand, our personal brand is not hitting the mark. So are there red flags? Is there a checklist that we need to use? So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We're also going to be talking about for you guys that maybe be going through an identity crisis, okay, whatever that looks like to you right now, and um, and so I'm going to get Satna to really share some some tips about how you can get a little bit more clarity on that. And the last thing is we're going to be talking about because over the last two or three years, things have really changed in terms of branding and how our consumers think about us in terms of perceptual reality. So I wanted to talk a little bit about like what are the most important features of a brand and what are consumers really looking for in this day and age. So lots of things to get through, ladies and gents. I hope you've got your pen and paper handy. Sapna, welcome to the show. Welcome. Uh, welcome. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> welcome to my show. Uh, how are you doing anyway? I'm uh, good. I'm so good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's no problem <laughs> at all. Well, I know that we've been trying to uh, get on here uh, um for, for, for quite some time, but I know due to personal reasons, it wasn't really possible, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that, but I don't want to go too yeah. deep into that because I know it's a, a, a bit of a touchy subject and stuff. So um, no, I've been quite open about it. I've been doing lots of podcasts about it and raising awareness really. So it was, it was breast cancer. So there we go. We get that out of the way. Um, and I've been declared cancer free now. So hurrah. Woo -hoo, woo -hoo. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I know that, um, you know, things like that, they really can, um, I suppose, what's the word, uh, create a spanner in the works when it comes to your own kind of like, you know, not just your well-being, but, you know, you're a mum as well, your kids, 
you're running a business. So really, I, I just wanted to ask you, you know, how did it like emotionally and kind of like mentally, how did you kind of, because I know it's only been over the last, what, three, four months? Is that right? I mean, it was pretty quick. Yeah, right? I was actually diagnosed in August. So I found something in July, went to the doctors, got diagnosed August the 6th. Um, but because we got it really, really early, um, it, that's how I've kind of come out the other side. I've had surgery and everything, but managed to get away without chemo um, or radiotherapy because we caught it so early. However, yes, it was a massive spanner in the works. Yeah. Um, but our summer, I mean, this all happened in the summer holidays as well. So normally I take August off with the kids um, as part of the business, but also sort of take a bit of time to plan. And I just started working with a new business coach um in June July time and just sort of had said to her actually somebody that we, we both know Marianne Page um and I'd said to her look I've just found this thing and I'm I'm not sure but I'm going to go and get it checked out so there might be a little bit of a and she went yeah but it's not likely to be cancer is it and um lo and behold there it was so <laughs> wow. um so that was kind of like let's all bets are off in terms of it was really hard to be proactive and visionary and I know we'd been talking about you know coming on coming on this show and I just thought I can't make any commitments not even a chat because I don't know when my hospital appointments are going to be I don't know how I'm going to be mentally I don't want to set something up and then let people down um so I just kind of you know I had a very empty diary apart from hospital appointments for a little while and poor kids we didn't we didn't do an awful lot you know kind of fun stuff we did manage to take to a festival which we'd already booked in um but we were waiting for surgery dates and things like that so again we couldn't plan to it, it becomes very you can only plan like a week or two in advance maximum um and it's got to be movable so it what it did do is taught me to live in the here and now and not worry too much about the future yeah um, because none of us know what what what's ahead of us yeah that's that's really true actually I, I i think you just you get you get a bit of a reality check don't you when you go through things like that do you know what i mean yeah. it's like yeah and you yeah, i suppose you, do you I, I guess you kind of learn to appreciate and have a sense of gratitude you know, of, of, every, do you know what I mean? I mean, you probably every day know. Now. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. You see, and it's kind of like, you know, and then it takes just something like this, which kind of, um, you know, which, which gives you that different perspective. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Massively. Yeah. So it was a massive, I know you, you know, we're, we're all dying really, aren't we? But, um, but it's something like this that brings it into, into perspective and focus that um, I wasn't, I wasn't ready to go quite yet. <laughs> so no. um every day now is a bonus absolutely because you know it could have been when they when they said those words you've got cancer it could have been you've got cancer and you've got three weeks to live mm. um and I, I didn't I didn't know what was going to follow those three words mm. um and I just went shit <laughs> 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 um which was kind of quite a calm response um yeah. apparently but uh, yeah, and then and then it was like we've caught it early at stage one, blah 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 blah. So um, you know, your mind goes everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So question, because obviously branding question actually. Oh, good. Did you? I mean, how did you? I mean, I mean, you're pretty open. Like you've mm. been pretty open with your journey and stuff because I've seen you on Facebook and on social media. You've been very open about the whole kind of experience and stuff. Did you ever feel like? you know, this kind of like, I suppose, uncharted territory in terms of vulnerability as well, because I know that yes. you, you, you've been pretty open about it and stuff, but you know, it's, it's a pretty scary thing or whatever it is and trying to share your journey. How do you think that that has helped you in terms of your brand? 
And do you think that people are more connected to you with regards to what you've experienced? Absolutely. Um, although I didn't set out with that as the intention. No. Um, my best friend Lizzie died of cancer in breast cancer as well in 2008. And so I was hugely aware of breast cancer and the risk of it. So I checked, I was paranoid. I was almost checking almost daily, um, <laughs> the irony. Um, but I just wanted to raise awareness for others as well. I kind of felt it was a gift that she'd given me. Mm. I still feel that she was kind of looking out for me. Um, and I wanted to sort of pay it forward in a way and raise awareness to other women um, and men. Men can get it too, but, you know, it's one in seven women and um, 1% of men. Um, and, and as a result of me sharing my journey, you know, I had people reaching out to me, strangers and friends that had discovered something themselves that were that had been diagnosed. You know, there was a friend who hadn't told anyone but her close family and one other friend. And um, she had she had cancer in, in her, her lower eyelid. Oh, um, wow. And, you know, and, and it was all these I shared my vulnerability about, you know, how I was going to look afterwards, how I was going to feel afterwards, all of, all of those fears and that I didn't want to, you know, leave my children and, and all of those fears. People were writing to me from all over the world and private messaging me and saying, I have not been brave, brave enough to share my journey, but thank you for sharing yours because you, it's like you spoke to me. And then I had other women say, I'm checking myself more. I'm, you know, I've booked that mammogram. I've dug out that letter um, so it, it was this ripple effect that I just wanted to make people more aware, raised two and a half grand for cancer research as well, um, along the way, which I, I kind of did from my hospital bed. Yeah. From my post-surgery, I kind of thought, well, let's just, let's work this, you know? So I, I set up a, you know, a bitly linked tits behaving badly and, um, you know, and, and the money was just coming in whilst I was sitting there. I thought, well, this was a lot easier than the last time I raised money for cancer research. We had to raise a half marathon, run a half marathon, but then I, I, for, I forgot I'd actually got cancer. So it's probably, you know, running a half marathon or having cancer, uh, you know, which one? <laughs> exactly. Circumstances are different. Absolutely. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. All right. Well, listen, um, thanks very much for sharing that with us. And uh, I, I know sometimes it can it can still play in your mind and whatever it is. So uh, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say in terms of the personal brand thing, I think you mm. said um, you did say about you know connection. So there was lots of connections, but I think yes, it did raise my visibility and it raised my. Um, I think a few people were saying to me that you know they'd feel more inclined to want to work with me because I'd been so vulnerable and so honest. Mm. Um, so you know, and, and that was the that wasn't the intention, but that that feels like that that's um, that's been a, a byproduct. Very cool. Love it. Some very good stuff. All right. Listen, let's go back to basics because I know that uh, going back to basics is 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 absolutely key core fundamentals. And I know that um, I know there's a lot of people that are listening in and they really struggle to differentiate between marketing and branding. Maybe you could give us a little bit of, of a kind of a, uh, an, a an easy definition from your perspective of what you feel the, the real key differentiating characteristics between the two? Yeah, well, I actually I did a design degree and then realised that I knew nothing about business at the end of my graphic design degree. <laughs> and then I did post-grad in marketing. So that I think that the two are very, very different. Um, but I realised that design has a part to play within the marketing mix. So marketing is obviously about attracting people to your business by all kinds of means, um, be it, you know, social media or email marketing and um, all of that. But the branding is the thing that's going to tie it visually together. Um, and it's the visual representation of 
what your brand stands for is is where I see branding. It's a, it's a small part of the marketing mix, but a very key part. Yep, very good. All right, that's cool. I'm glad we kind of like, you know, got that out of the way because I think it was just one of those key questions that I had kind of at the back of my mind anyway. So that's okay. all good. Um, so, all right, so we all know that branding is all about how we want to make people feel, right? That's kind yeah. of what branding is all about. It's about feelings and perceptions and identity and things like that. So well, I'm glad you said it wasn't just a logo because some people think that branding is <laughs> a logo. Well, so, actually, yeah. actually, you believe it or not, the amount of conversations that I've had with people that still believe that a branding is logo absolutely mm-hmm. bewilders me. It really does. And, you know, yeah. it's interesting. Um, I remember back in the early days of doing Clubhouse, we still had those people on there saying, no, stop that right now. <laughs> just stop that. You need to get some expert help. Just just stop that. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so funny. Anyway, um, I want to talk a little bit about how we can, you know, how we can use our brand to influence um, buying decisions more than anything else with regards to our personal brand. Like, how can we, where do we need to start to kind of, whether it is create a perceptual reality of how we want to be shown up online or offline or whatever it is, is there like, I don't know, are there some, what do you kind of like talk to your clients about? Like they probably have something in their mind, but it's not kind of sitting with what the reality is in terms of the output is. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, some of the key um, mistakes that people make uh, when they're, you know, they set up a business and I've got this do say see model, which isn't the, I've got the vision process for, for creating brands, but the do say see model actually describes why they, what, what's the number one mistake. So they think about when they're setting up a business, think about what they do. And that's kind of the product or service they're selling um, and how they're going to deliver it one-to-one, one-to-many, what equipment they might need to, in order to deliver that as well. Then they'll think about how to communicate it um, which is their say, and that's the written or spoken word. It's podcasts like this. It's uh, books. It's uh, you know, kind of blog posts, uh, social media. You've got if you don't tell people that you've got a business, no one knows about it. So you've, that's your marketing, isn't it? So you bring in you bringing people in, and then you've got your C. Um, which you know some people think is the logo, and um, I always think I always talk about brand as like being an iceberg because your logo is like the tip of that iceberg. Mm. And that's why everyone puts so much importance on it because it's right at the top. It's the pinnacle of your brand. It's the bit you can see for miles. It's the bit that goes across everything, right? But above the water is your branding, which is colors, logos, imagery, mm-hmm. you know, kind of pattern texture, messaging, even your strap line, everything that's visible. And then below the water is what lies beneath, is where you make that emotional connection you were talking about and uh, changing perceptions and, um, you know, um, evoking emotions. So we always start from the ground up. I mean, you could think of it as foundations for a house as well. Yes. Um, and if you're just going straight to branding, you're, you're, you're you know, kind of, if, if we don't want to, you're just doing the, the tip of the iceberg, you're not really touching the rest of the brand. Nobody really connects to a logo. Nobody's going to buy your products because you've got a nice logo. Or even if you haven't got a nice logo, you've gone to Fiverr and got a, an awful looking logo. <laughs> Although it, might put, it might put people off though. It might put people off working with you, definitely. Um, so we start at the base, at the base of that um, kind of iceberg, if you like, with that at the hidden stuff. And we start and the, part of the vision process is we look at um, your business goals first. You know, it's kind of like your brand aspirations. So I do this exercise with my clients called the the Fab Exercise Five Aspirational Brands. Think about brands that really inspire you. 
mm-hmm. and um, that you want your company to be like or be thought of in that way. Have you mm-hmm. got any aspirational brands that you look at, Adam? And Do you know what? Company- I, 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 there are definitely some brands that I kind of like. I mean, fashion labels were probably the first things that come to my mind as for most people. Like yeah. I, I like Ted Baker because it's it contours to my body. I like it because it's terms of... You know, it, it makes you feel uh, um, modern. It makes you feel uh, a little, you know, because I have a very slim figure as well. So it kind of contours to my body. So I feel good about it. Right. And then there's Nike. So I, when I think about brands that make you feel good or are they brands that are aspirational for your business? So that's the mm. less about what you're wearing, but about how a brand makes you feel in terms of, oh, like, for example, for me, mm. um, John Lewis is, yep. is the one that I always use because it's the most unexpected of my five aspirational brands. And people go, John Lewis, that's not very, it's not very designery. It's not very cool. It's not very trendy. Well, actually, no, but what does John Lewis mean to you as a brand? Mm. Well, if I say John Lewis. Yeah, I, I mean, I like John Lewis in terms of the way that they set up their structure for their employees. So I know that they're, mm. they're, 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 they're unconventional. That's the one thing that comes to my mind is Ooh, that they're unconventional. Maybe they've said yeah. that. Mm. So, but thing it's customer service mm, absolutely british airways i use british airways a lot right so i, I fly right. a lot so i'm flying tomorrow so that's mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. you know so they're very much into you know well i i i feel like when i fly somewhere i'd like to fly british airways purely because that you get good service i know what i'm getting great service yeah. yeah it's style it says something about you that you're a loyal you know british airways um customer mm-hmm. um you know it, it's, it's like well how does that brand make you feel they make you feel safe mm-hmm. they make you feel looked after um you know there's trust there so it's kind of like you think about brands and you go well I want to be thought of in that way Mm. um and then we do that and then we look at the business vision so what's the you know where the company is now where it wants to go in the next three to five years time I always say three to five years because any brand you get created today should serve you at least three to five years Mm. it's a waste of money if you're getting a rebrand and then in 12 to 18 months time you go it's not really, oh, I feel a bit embarrassed by this or I've outgrown it and it's not really, then you've got to change it again and then you've got a website and you've got all these assets that you've suddenly got. It just becomes a bigger headache. So I'm a big fan of getting it right at the first, right from the first get-go. So we work on the you know, the business aspirations for three to five years' time. You've got to be able to use your brand for at least that to get that no like, and trust going. Obviously, when you're putting out a social media post or a piece of content, do you know how much social media we go through? In, in a day loads in terms of 96 <laughs> meters of how much sorry 96 meters of scrolling a day on average that's insane that's the height of big ben oh wow that's so crazy. just think about <laughs> i know it's insane isn't it? I, might, I always say my mum doesn't actually um do social media so um she's bringing the average down and then there's other people with proper jobs like you know police officers and doctors and nurses who aren't spending their lives on social media either so i think it's those entrepreneurs that are actually you know probably probably 2xing or 3xing that absolutely um, so so you need a brand that's going to stand out but so we, we we talk about the brand aspirations we you need you need that brand to be going you know three to five years to build that no like and trust and to get your return on investment and then we also look at the customer vision who they are where they want to be as a result because actually there's another mistake that people make is they think oh I, w- I want a logo I've got a brand I want to create a brand I like blue 
Um, and I like uh, serif fonts. I like that font. So I'm going to I'm going to do something that I like. And actually, we need to get inside the heads of the customers and who they are and what kind of brands, you know, they might like. And Because it's got to be a brand that appeals not just to you and you feel proud of your brand, but it's got to be something that's appealing to them as well. Mm. So you can't be too selfish about, well, pink's my favourite colour, therefore I'm going to go for pink and a nice swirly <laughs> font. Well, actually, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. So don't just pick what you like. And then we move to the inner brand. This is all still working on below the water, the unseen stuff. And the inner brand is kind of the heart and soul. And it's where you make those emotive connections. So we look at things like brand values, brand personality and brand voice. That's very much about, you know, who is this brand going to align with? Um, pick the values that you feel your clients are going to find valuable, your potential clients, because mm-hmm. you you tend to want to work with brands that share your values, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so, so, you know, pick those, and I say, you know, an average of five, between three to seven, you don't want so many that you can't remember them. Um, and sort of live by them and and that needs to happen at every single interaction of your brand every part of your you know your customer service right from when they they first land on your you know a a piece of content all the way through to them um you know getting in touch with you um how but how 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 does your brand make them feel at every single touch point what's the customer experience like what's the customer service like and that's really important that's all part of brand as well it's not just the logo Um, so so we talk about the, the brand values and the brand personality and the brand voice. And brand personality is an interesting one because um, certainly for solopreneurs, they think, well, the brand personality is my personality. Surely it's, <laughs> yeah, it's the same. Um, but as the business scales and if you've got any you know, ambition to scale your business, it can't just be your personality. I, I, I've worked with a, with a, a company, actually, there's about 50 employees up, uh, up north and they're a, they're an agency, a creative, a web, a web design agency. And the, the guy, lovely guy, very strong personality, very strong sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was very much his kind of, let's call it a niche sense of humor. And you either got it or you didn't. <laughs> um, and, and luckily I did get it. I did get it, but it was kind of a little bit edgy for maybe some of their more corporate clients. Um, and they come up with some, you know, merchandise uh, tactics and promotions and things which one of the members of staff said she actually felt embarrassed putting, you know, give, giving these, I'm not going to give too much, uh, you know, it's all confidential, but she, but, you know, she, it, it was a mug that said something quite, quite kind of rude when you, when you tipped it up and it, it had it on the bottom. Ah, okay. And, um, and she felt embarrassed giving them out, but it was his sense of humor and he thought it was hilarious. Um, so you've got to, you've got to create the brand personality as separate to your own because it's got to be something that your employees and the rest of your team can buy into. And it might just be a bit more of a professional version of your own personality because you're not going to do something opposite um, to your personality. But um, obviously, you know, you in the you in the pub is going to be very different to you as a parent or to you as a, you know, a grandparent or a child to your own parents. So we've all got different parts of our personalities. We just need to focus on what the brand personality is and then the brand voice. And it's really about what is the persona that your target audience would um, trust, would listen to and trust. Um, um, So if you've got um, tired, you know, new mums as a, target market you're going to speak to them very very differently if they are overworked stressed out execs now both of them are tired but the tone of voice you will take with both of them will be slightly different and the kind of language you slightly different so brand voice is really important and then we move to standout which is where we start getting a bit visual and we start looking at 
what are other people doing in your industry? You know, how do they look? What does our branding do? Does it, is it working? Is it not working? We identify what works, what doesn't work. There's always cliches in every industry. Mm. Um, you think about estate agents, they've always got a roof in their logos, for example, or if they're being particularly wacky, a set of keys um, and, a, and a lock. So, you know, if you want to stand out in your industry, you don't want to do the same as everyone else. So I'm always like, if everyone's thinking, you need to sag. You need to do something different to demonstrate your unique proposition. Another mistake people do when they're, when they're doing a rebrand is they look at their competitors, they look at the market leaders, and they go, oh, we'll do, a, we'll do a, some branding a bit like them. Mm. I look a bit like them because they look pretty good. Um, but then you just look like a, not a cheap knockoff copy. You know, you just look like a Me Too brand. And you don't, you don't, you're not going to be them. So, you know, it's like you can't be them. Everyone else is taken. Be and so what I do is work with clients and actually find out what's unique about them. And then we translate that visually. So we, we, we're talking about where the company, but we're also building the brand for the future. We're building the brand for three to five years time. I named a client. I do these naming calls, which I'm doing to like name your business in under two hours and I, and I named this woman's business and she actually sat with it for a while and then I, I worked with her yesterday to create her brand and she said when she'd sat with the name it felt too big because it was just her before she was going out into just her name and I'd given her this amazing business name that kind of spoke to her future um, ambition to build a, you know a series of you know a, a set of associates that would be able to go out and deliver her methodology and um, but she said I should sit with it because she was like it felt too big it felt bigger than me it felt too scary and then she went I realized it's exactly what I need something to kind of push me towards this future vision so again it's about you know when you're naming your company when you're branding your company we're building it for there we're building it for over there because that's where you want to be going and it keeps you mindful she went I now need to step up to the brand she said which I thought was brilliant um, and it kind of raises the game yeah some good stuff that I like that some good meat on the bone there and uh, for you guys I hope that you have been taking your notes because there were some really good uh, I suppose there were some really good classical you know things that you should do and shouldn't do type of thing in that dialogue and I just think that there was some really good stuff in there some good stuff there Satna. Um now in terms of like what I was going to say to you well we talked about mistakes common mistakes that a lot of people make um are there any if if our if we've got a brand that's been around for a while, call it our personal brand, okay, or even our company brand, because they're two very differentiating factors. What you've uh, critically identified, if they're not, um, what's going to say hitting the mark with our mm. audience, and that might be because for whatever reason. What are some of the red flags that we should look for? Like, when do we know that we need to make a change to our brand? Are there any That's kind of like key characteristics or are there any like, I don't know, patterns that you're like, eh, no, this is out of tune. That's out of tune. Any, any thoughts there? That's a brilliant question. Um, and I, <laughs> I mean, it's not for me to tell you when you need a rebrand. Because as I found out in one of my very first ever um, networking meetings seven years ago when I started the business, um, and I had my, somebody gave me a business card and it was absolutely awful. It was really <laughs> bad, really dated. 
And I didn't know what to say because when people, you know, realize you're a brand consultant, they kind of give you their business cards somewhat expectantly. Sometimes they expect you to go, oh, that's lovely. And, and then it's like, oh, you know, and it was it was awful. I couldn't say anything. So um, <laughs> so I didn't say anything, but I just handed my card over and I went, well, if you're ever up for a rebrand, you know where to come. And she went, oh, no. She said, um, oh, no, my husband and I designed our own logo. Was it? 25 years ago now and we absolutely love our logo don't we darling and I thought oh god so you can't tell people I can't tell you that you're in for rebrand it's like telling you you've got ugly children right (laughs) we can't do that so it has to come from within it's a bit like Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever um you've got to you've got to want to do it yourself um but the key triggers that you will find, because these are things that my clients say to me all the time, is and it's usually when there's something changing about the business, right? It's really that there's usually when you want change. So you may be working with a business coach, you may be trying to up your game, you might be wanting to put your prices up, you might be creating new packages, you might want to reach new markets, you might want to expand territories, you might want to partner up with someone and suddenly you feel this sense of, some people call it shade. They feel ashamed, ashamed of their brand. They feel it's holding them back. They feel unsure. They feel um, it's not representing them or the, their business. They feel embarrassed. Um, that's another one. I had a lady who said she, she she felt too embarrassed to hand out her business cards at networking meetings, which which was where she got most of her clients um, because the the card was so bad. And it it kind of didn't, she didn't feel it represented her anymore. Typically, this tends to happen, um, if you don't work with me, about the year three mark, that my sweet spot tends to be people coming to me where they, you know, they might have started out with a homemade logo or something off Fiverr or something done on the cheap or just something done with, you know, a designer who went, yeah, what colours do you want? What fonts do you want? And then a couple of weeks, it can happen quicker, you know, within 12 to 18 months, people can get dissatisfied with that. But the sweet spot's three to five years where you just kind of think, well, the business has evolved, but my brand is no longer representing not only what the business stands for now, but where I want it to be in the future. Mm. Um, Because that brand was just built for day one Mm. and how you felt then. And nobody actually went, but what do you want to achieve in the future? Um, they'd have said, "Who are your target market? What is it you sell? What's your, you know, what's your USP?" And they're not thinking about future planning, which I always want to build that into any brand we create. Very cool. So, um, so those are the red flags. It's more an emotion that you will have yourself. Um, and if you're feeling any of those things, and you're feeling that it's holding you back, and then it's not, it, you know, it's not helping you. Um, and that you're holding back from putting content out there because you don't want to put your branding on there. You don't know what it should look like. And, you know, we live in a very visual uh, world now. Then that's probably a good sign you need to speak to someone like me. Very good. Um, question, actually. So I just had a thought process that's gone through my mind. And we were just re- re- really briefly talking about the differentiation. There's obviously key differentiation factors between company brand and personal brand. Now, obviously, over the last couple of years, it's been quite interesting where, People have been working from home a lot. Our lifestyles have changed and stuff like that, which brings me to another, which brings me to the to the point of, okay, so that means that we must, we have to, surely we have to prove that we need to be able to build trust with our clients even more. So if, if say, for example, someone has decided that for whatever reason, if they need to rebrand 
or they need to start a brand. I know they're two differentiating, um, uh, two differentiating things that you need to do. But in terms of like, what shall I do? Should I focus on evolving the company brand or should I focus directly specifically on personal brand? How can I know, how, how do I know what I should do in terms of, is it company brand I need to focus on? Or is it personal brand I need to focus on based on the current trends of today? Uh, again, interesting. And it also it actually depends on what your future aim is and what you want to achieve. They're both important, firstly. They're both they're both important. Um, when you are starting out in, in a business, and certainly if you're moving into a new area, um, you want to establish yourself. And I, again, I had a conversation with someone about this um, last week um, and she was like, she was going out with her personal name, but she wanted to build a company. Mm. Um, and, you, you know, I mean, I, I saw a post from Daniel Priestley the other day um, on LinkedIn and it was about Tom Ford and Tom Ford, you know, it's like he was saying, if you, if you want to, should you build your company brand, your personal brand? Well, he's done both. Mm. Um, and he's just sold his, um, his his company I can't remember who to now. Tom Ford he's just felt, sold Tom Ford to another big oh, yeah was uh yeah. wasn't it like um, L'Oreal L'Oreal I think uh, bought them their beauty yeah L'Oreal it was L'Oreal I'm not sure yeah. anyway can't remember but they've been bought out so he's just made a gazillion billion you know however many whatever <laughs> um and um and he's very very rich so but I say that both of them are important you know I don't think there's Richard Branson sitting there going should I build my company brand or my personal brand um you know and and Steve Jobs I think it's people buy people ultimately and one of the things that is incredibly unique about any business is its founder its figurehead it's you know the person who's leading it um, and because everything else will flow down from that. So, you know, even when I got my diagnosis, I could have hidden away um, and gone through it on, on my own. Um, and I didn't, I, I wanted to use it for good. I wanted to, because for me, business for good is one of the, is one of my big values. Um, and I, and I, so I thought, well, if I can't actually do my own business at the moment, because my head's not in the right space, mm. at least I can keep communicating. And it was only every couple of weeks, but you know, people say visible. It wasn't you'd gone away. Now I don't know how I'd have felt if I'd have gone through chemo and stuff like that. I don't know. I really don't. I've managed to swear. This brand works side by side. It helps raising visibility, and we need visibility. Ninety-six meters of social media. People faces more. I know for a fact that when we put a post out with my face on. Um, it gets more interaction on Instagram or whatever than if it's a it's one with just a graphic on. So people, we you know primarily you know from, from being babies, we connect with faces more. So for those, there are a lot of entrepreneurs I know who are a bit shy of stepping out <laughs> into the limelight, and and believe it or not, I was too. Um, I always used to think that oh my god, shouldn't my work just speak for itself? Can't my work just speak for itself? And the wonderful successes of my clients, um, and then I wrote a book which was called let's get visible mm. and my social media lady said this was beginning of 2020 she went you do realize that you're gonna have to get visible now right <laughs> um and and it was only then it's literally been two years where I've been kind of on screen regularly you know doing lives and I set up my own Facebook group so that I could practice um you know being on video in the comfort of my own group of people that. that weren't gonna weren't going to slack me off because they'd actually chosen to join a group right and 
So I knew that I had my my little tribe. And then I made a commitment to turn up every Wednesday to do a live, which just got me over. And it's and it's helped build that personal connection, definitely. Love that. Some good stuff. Um, interestingly enough, um, I know that during the whole kind of uh, with, with regards to branding, when it comes to branding, I was going to ask you, where does the whole kind of like um, I was going to say when we think about uh, testimonials, when we think about credibility, when we think about associations and who we hang around with, how important are those things as well? with regards to the features of building that personal brand in particular, how important are they? Are they uh, even more important in this day and age, or would you say they're less important in terms of influencing buying decisions? I would say reputation is everything. Mm. (laughs) You know, it can take years to build a good, strong reputation and only a couple of negative views to tear that down. So um, again, it comes back to, um, no like and trust and trust is the big one if, as soon as you destroy trust it's really hard to build that back up again um, so it's the it's the experience that you give people all the way through it's the reviews that you get in the end of course social proof is you know well if they're saying that you're good then you know you might be worth you know referrals all of that stuff is so powerful um, and it's obviously a much easier sell if so if someone that you know has personally used this service and they're raving, they're raving about it Mm. Um, you're kind of more inclined to to check them out than if you somebody you know is going, oh my god, they took my money and they ran and they don't they don't give a shit. You know, you're you're not going to spend your money there. So um, absolutely, true, true. social proof, social proof, and personal recommendations, especially now because there's just I can't remember how many businesses are launching every year, but it gets harder and harder and harder to get more visible. Um, and harder and harder and harder to to cut through. So um, again, it's all back to it's all back to human connection that it, it's going to make that difference. I agree. I think there's some. I think I absolutely hundred percent agree with that. Um, I actually had a really interesting conversation the other day um, with uh, a really well established um, uh, business owner, if you like, and he um, I wasn't going to say to you. I'm not going to mention him anyway, just but he'll probably know who I'm talking about anyway. But I was going to say to you, he's got an amazing amount of testimonials, like huge credibility, clearly knows his stuff. However, he's okay. just not getting the results that he wants, which brings me on to my question. How does one know if it is a lead generation problem in terms of messaging or it's a branding issue? Oh, I don't know if the two are... Link, what, what do you mean he wasn't getting the results, by the way? He wasn't getting the results for his clients or he wasn't, he wasn't getting... He wasn't getting, uh, he wasn't getting the visibility, number one, but also he wasn't getting uh, the interaction. He wasn't getting enough leads coming into the business as well, which kind of like, you know, and I, and it was just kind of like interesting. Obviously, we had some great conversations around it and we kind of like worming around. But I would just kind of like wanted to know what your thoughts were about it. Without knowing the whole picture, that's really hard. To, yeah, I, I guess he's saying what bits he's doing and what bits he's not doing, and what bits are working are working and what bits are not working. But I would say if there's a question around his brand, you know, I mean, look at things and go, is it consistent? Um, you know, wherever it shows up, do people easily identify you on those different platforms? Because if you're looking different on those different platforms, it's hard to build that repetition um, and and that no like and trust. So from a brand point of view, consistency is everything. Consistency is key. Um, Because also if your brand is 
chopping and changing on different platforms. Not only do people not recognize you when you show up on Facebook as to when they go to your website, as to when they see you on LinkedIn. Yes. Um, you know, there's there's no there's no sort of tie. You don't you look a bit scatter gun then. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. look joined up. People might not recognize. And I talk about stopping the scroll. And you've got to you've got to have a brand that's wrestling enough to help you stop the scroll. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're not stopping the scroll, if people are scrolling by, you've lost a sale anyway. Um, but yeah, just having something that's appealing. And then of course the brand needs to appeal to your target market. So don't make it all about you. Think about who they are and what's going to appeal to them. And, you know, um, a, a little anecdote. And I went, for some reason I went through, I think like, through 2020, I worked with a lot of people in the trades. And I think because everyone was getting <laughs> getting calls out to do lots of stuff at home, right? And you can, you can, you can get this for love and money or whatever. And I had quite a few of them come in to me um, to get rebrands. And, um, and, and an awful lot of workmen would ask for black and gold and they go, oh, I love, I love black and gold because it's really classy, isn't it? It's really classy. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I go, a little bit. Maybe in Dubai it's really classy, but over in the UK it's probably a little bit, it's a bit bling. Um, and it's not, you know, it's kind of not not right for your target because they were thinking about what they thought was classy. Um, and actually, if you're thinking about the homeowner who has probably been thumbing through homes and gardens and whatever, who makes the decision, on you know which interior designer they're going to pick or which painter and decorator or which carpenter you've got to kind of think about the psyche of who your, your target market is and that's nothing to do what well, I've meandered a little bit but it's I you know it's really hard to say which bits he's doing right and wrong but certainly there are lots of things that could be wrong about the brand I need to actually look at it and see I mean I was going to say um, you know he creates regular content it's more specifically on LinkedIn specifically so uh so they he mixes it up with a bit of content like some uh vote you know does polls does video does so you know that he's a consistent you know content creator so that's you know that's what he enjoys doing but um yeah um you know it's hard to cut through on linkedin at the moment though isn't it something's going on with the algorithms and um even you know seasoned and, and and leading edge linkedin um yeah, kind of the, LinkedIn is definitely definitely evolving. I think what I found that actually really helps is if you're part of a few groups, you know, like Facebook groups or Telegram groups or whatever it is, you know, ask people to like PLC and you'll and they'll do exactly the same. And you just kind of like scratch each other's backs. Because I find that all it takes is like, you know, 10 or so comments, and then suddenly you've gone from like 500 impressions to like 5,000 impressions just from someone post, like, and a comment. And always make sure that you're responding to that, to the yeah, to each yeah. comment, because again, it helps jump the algorithm and things like that. So I encourage a lot of my um, uh, mastermind members, my inner circle members to do that, you know, just to help support each other. Uh, it helps create the visibility, in all fairness. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, so uh, yeah, it's all stuff. about the algorithms. Mm-hmm. It is the, about the algorithms. Um, last question before we go, because I'm conscious of time. Um, I know that you were talking about back in 2020 when you were kind of more introverted before your book came out. Now, I know coming, you know, there was a couple of people that came to my mind where you talked about introverted, um, especially with. I wouldn't say I was ever introverted, but I certainly was camera shy. Yeah, we're camera shot. Okay, fair enough. But okay, so interestingly enough, because I have a couple of people in my mind, which are kind of more introverted, they are camera shy. They, you know, it's not that they're not confident, they're just kind of like, they're not those types of people that want to be kind of seen. 
Um, any tips for those introverts um, that really kind of are not only camera shy, but also, you know, maybe a little bit, a little bit afraid. They have some fear factors or or whatever it is. Do you, do you have any tips or, you know, just to help reassure them that things are just going to be OK? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 as I say, I really, really struggled on camera. The first time my social media lady, I think it was for Christmas 2019, in advance of my book coming out, and she pointed the camera at me and she went, say Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to our you know, followers. And um, I fluffed that about seven or eight times before we, I mean, it was just such a short thing, but I couldn't get a sentence. That, that's how much I froze oh, on wow. camera. Um, and it's actually, it was the thought of it being recorded and, and viewed time and time again, which obviously we, we didn't have that much, much of a following, but it was the thought of it being recorded for posterity that actually just made me freeze because I kind of wanted it to be perfect. And actually, I think just doing the lives in my Facebook group, I would say set up your own little community, whether it's, you know, your own Facebook group or just a little community of like entrepreneur friends that can, you can kind of post within each other and practice um and get feedback that was the, that was the first step I did when I was doing um KPI years ago um we started with that but I was still so stilted until I was forced to get out there with my book launch and actually sorry I just dropped my pencil um I was forced to get out there and and and, and be visible um but little baby steps really and don't worry about fluffing as I did you know do as I say don't do as I do but actually I put I, doing the lives forced me to actually think on my feet I think the re- doing recorded ones made me think too much and overthink it um and also actually helping to get get guests on you know because I've got you know a, a a thing where I have people coming in on my Wednesday lives in my group um and if you if you feel a bit silly talking to camera on your own, sometimes it's much easier to have a conversation like this, just chatting with me, um, and actually talking about them and what they do. Took the shine, you know, took the spotlight off me a little bit, um, which helped me get confident in front of the camera. And now I'm like, you know, so so confident that I came on and welcomed you to your own show. Um, so you know, so it's just sort of like, hi, welcome to my show. Um, but that you know, it's it's baby steps, and that's taken like two two years to get there. But now I feel I can say I'm confident in front of the camera. But it took it took weekly action, definitely. Very good, love it. Some good um, stuff there. Mm. Some good stuff. You know, um, guys, for you guys that are listening in uh, here on the podcast, by the way, I hope that you've been enjoying some of our conversations. Um, you know, and I think it's been really um, interesting in terms of the diversity, in terms of the topics and. Hopefully you got some great um, golden nuggets from today more than anything else. And if you haven't, or you or you you've been listening to this in the gym or wherever it is, make sure that you go back and re-listen to this, and make sure you got notebook and pen handy because uh, it's some, there's been some great value bombs that has been dropped today. So um, Sam, I just want to say thanks very much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I was really looking forward to seeing you again after our chat <laughs> way back in the summer. So it's uh, it's great we finally managed to do it. Absolutely. So for you guys that are interested in connecting with Satna, please do me a favor. Um, We put all the show notes below uh, and all of her social media links will be there as well. Um, And uh, you can check out her book as well on Amazon and all good bookstore websites there. It's called Let's Get Visible. So it's a red cover with black dots for those guys that are just listening in. Um, So make sure you check that out. Um, I'd highly recommend you do so. 
So um, for so hope that you guys have enjoyed today. Um, and one big, one last ask as well, as I ask, always ask this, if you've enjoyed today's conversations, please do me a favor. Please leave a one or a five-star review on Apple or on Spotify. Um, I would greatly appreciate that. Sam, I really greatly appreciate that. We'd really love to, and we really value feedback about how we can make improvements to the show and how we can articulate, bring you guests on and, you know, and really hit on some really hard-hitting topics. So anyway, enough chit-chat from me. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. Hope to see you back here again. And from me and Sapna, see you soon. Take care. Cheers.